This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, it's great to see you. Um, indeed, that's what we're thinking about um, for our uh, afternoon uh, around God's Word. Uh, we're thinking about uh, one particular character from the, the New Testament, a man called Bartimaeus, that we've read about together in that introductory reading. But we're also thinking about um, sight, both literally and metaphorically. So you could actually put our, um, our theme as sort of seeing is believing, which you'll see on the next screen. But just whilst we're here, it just shows how um, complicated the idea of vision and actually understanding what we're looking at uh, is, how the eye and the brain work together to interpret the world around us. And we'll think about that later on. The, the picture on the left perhaps is a, an easy one. You can see how that shape is deforming, but at any one moment it's quite difficult to see uh, what's going on and which bits inside or outside. And on the right, uh, hopefully you're seeing what's a, an optical illusion, that the dot um, appears to be moving around, but actually there's nothing moving at all. Um, all that's happening is that in sequence the pink dots are going white and then coming back to pink going around the circle and it makes it look as though there's a green dot actually going around but that's the way our eyes and our brains interpret the picture that we're seeing so yes um, our thought seeing is believing and we're going to see from the life of Bartimaeus how that uh, is the case so um, I first did this, this talk um, down south in, in Newbury in a, a series looking at um, miracles of Jesus. And I think we're having a series on Jesus' miracles uh, here in Ormskirk as well. Um, it's, it's a bit of a truism about things that we, we, we don't know what we've got until it's gone. We take things for granted. And maybe sight is one of those things that uh, people can take for granted and if we, if we, for whatever unfortunate reason, um, lose that sense, find it very difficult because we rely on it so much, don't we? And just some examples there of things that we could, um, we can visualise, we can understand what they mean to us simply because we've seen them. But try to explain that to someone who has never seen, and suddenly we're we would be struggling, wouldn't we? We couldn't describe the colour red uh, and why that's different from other colours. We'd, we'd certainly struggle. Um, in in a, a month or so's time when the bluebells are, are out in, in full uh, bloom, uh, a beautiful blue haze on the carpet of a, 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 of a, a woodland, um, how could we describe that? Or, or the features of, of someone's face. Um, very difficult things to to uh, to picture and to convey, but uh, people that don't have a sense of sight often um, their brains are focused on the other senses that they do have, and they have um, more um, 
capable senses in, in other ways. Sight is amazing and we rely on it an awful lot. Um, there's another optical illusion there. I don't know what you're seeing there, whether you're seeing uh, the head of a, a rabbit or the head of a bird. Those are the, the two options. One may have immediately hit you uh, as the what you're looking at uh, or it might have been the other one. Um, so, we're thinking about a man though this afternoon who had no sense of sight a man called Bartimaeus now it's, it's difficult because um, he's only mentioned once in the Bible and uh, uh, we've, we've read a, about him but by inference we know that the same instance in the life of Jesus um, it's recorded in the other gospel records as, as well Matthew, Mark uh, and uh, Luke um, so that these three gospels all record something about the incident of Jesus meeting the man Bartimaeus but we don't know what happened to him after uh, this uh, incident took place and so this is an example of where we can look at the, the, the gospel records we can see some pieces which are common which connect the stories uh, together so we know that it's a single incident that we're talking about but because they have slightly different details we can put together a, a, a bigger picture uh, and uh, we'll see that uh, as always the gospels they don't contradict they simply show slightly different viewpoints of the same message so I hope it will be a useful exercise just in doing that as well as as we think about this this man uh, Bartimaeus um, I mentioned that he appears in uh, three of the uh, the gospel records in in Mark that we've read together he he's mentioned by name so we know who he is from uh, that gospel but in Matthew's gospel it talks about two blind men and in the record that Luke wrote um, it talks about the incident happening uh, before Jesus then goes to visit a man called Zacchaeus uh, in uh, the city of Jericho but the context of it this is towards uh, the end of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ um, after he spent some time in Galilee uh, but before he has his uh, triumphant uh, entry uh, into Jerusalem so a little bit more context um, here we are so in Mark 10 it says that uh, Jesus is in the coasts of Judea by the far side of uh, Jordan and then that he's to go up to Jerusalem uh, and he comes to the city of Jericho if we were to look in Matthew chapter 19 we'd see that Jesus the same thing leaves Galilee up in the north of Israel uh, and then the same as Mark says departs uh, Jericho and then Luke chapter 17 Jesus passed through Samaria and Galilee uh, and then came near to Jericho so we've got one of those occasions where the gospel records on the face of it aren't totally gelling together there's there's something of a 
uh, an apparent possible contradiction uh, about where this miracle actually took place. But we can see what the common elements are. We can piece together the picture. Jesus has been up in Galilee in the, in the north. He's going to Jerusalem. He goes via the coasts of Judea beyond Jordan through the midst of Samaria and Galilee visits Jericho um, from Luke's gospel we, as we've said we, we know that he visits a man called Zacchaeus there and then uh, he takes the, the road that climbs up from Jericho to Jerusalem um, those gospels though said that he came to Jericho he came from Jericho he, he goes past Jericho which is, which is right, what makes sense uh, well it, we probably can piece it together better if we look at a map um, if we had a, a first century sat nav and we said we wanted to travel from Galilee to Jerusalem it would probably give us a route something like this going from the north uh, from Galilee continue down the Jordan turn right at Jericho and go up to Jerusalem so you can see that on the map with the, the red line there and so Jericho is the sort of the hinge point of that, that journey and it seems this was the, the route that Jesus took it, it goes down the, the coasts of Judea beyond Jordan um, probably down the west side of the the, the river itself as Luke says that he passed through Samaria which is the, the area uh, on the west of the, the river Jordan and the three accounts agree that Jesus went towards Jericho and then continued um, I, I'm going to make that go away I do apologise right there we go um, that uh, uh, Jesus goes down the, the, uh, the, the, the Jordan Valley um, and uh, he's gone through the, um, the edge of, of Samaria and uh, then uh, gets to Jericho and then continues up the steep hill that leads to Jerusalem. Um, but it's, it's what happens at Jericho which is the, the, the key to understanding uh, what's, what's going on in the sequence of events. Uh, and to try and get rid of that apparent contradiction. What do we know? Well, Jesus was coming down uh, from the north. Um, well, there aren't many settlements down the Jordan Valley. Um, there's quite a gap. Uh, Jericho would have been very much the place to get to, uh, to, to stay uh, overnight uh, before travelling on. Uh, a place where they could get uh, rest, place with plenty of food and water uh, before walking the, the difficult climb uh, up to Jerusalem. Just to give you an idea, the climb from the level of Jericho, which is way below sea level, um, it's, uh, it's something like uh, 800 uh, feet below sea level. Climbing up to Jerusalem at 2,500 feet above sea level um, so that's a, a climb of about a thousand metres well the bigger hills in Scotland are, uh, are that kind of height so it's like climbing one of those um, 
before tackling a climb like that, having walked all the way down from, from Galilee, uh, it makes sense, doesn't it, that Jesus would perhaps um, stay overnight, stay and rest uh, before leaving the following day when it's cooler. So I think it, it, it's pretty certain that Jesus uh, and his followers would have stayed in Jericho uh, that night. Indeed, it's Luke in his record that says that Jesus stays at Zacchaeus' house in Jericho. It all seems to, to tie together then. Um, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was a wealthy man. He probably had a, uh, a, a nice big house, probably plenty of space for um, the people to, to stay. So it shouldn't worry us that in Luke's gospel record, uh, he completes the account of the miracle before mentioning that Jesus then stays at, uh, at Zacchaeus' house. Because uh, that happens on other occasions too. Um, in the gospel records, in, in Matthew 21 for instance, when Jesus curses the, the fig tree, that actually sort of takes place out of logical sequence in that the whole story is explained before moving on. It's a sensible way to group the information together. So, we've, we've got a bit of a picture going on, but we need to focus in on some of the details. So let's look a little bit more closely at what is going on uh, in and around the city of Jericho. Um, on this uh, other map, you can see that uh, Jericho, by the time of the Lord Jesus, has actually moved uh, there was an, an old city, um, old Jericho, uh, slightly to the, the northwest of the place that had become established by the time uh, of Jesus. The, certainly the, 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 the wealthy people uh, had moved to the, the new set city. This was the, the, the place to be. And uh, the road, uh, as you can see on that inset map, um, the road from the north and the road from Jerusalem join uh, together before going into the new town. So the same gate for, uh, of, the, of the city would serve the roads going up to Jerusalem and the road going up the Jordan Valley through the old uh, city of, of Jericho. And this could help then to explain some of the other apparent differences between the Gospels. Um, it, it helps us to piece together these events. So Jesus is approaching Jericho. He approaches the gate. And there's a, a growing mob of people around him with all the noise and fuss that that would cause. And uh, it, it would sound different from uh, other people just coming and going through the gate of the city. Because this is the gate where two main roads come in, it would also be a very sensible place to be if you were uh, begging from passers-by. Particularly to beg from the Jerusalem uh, traffic because people going up to Jerusalem perhaps would be feeling in a little bit more generous mood to, uh, to give some uh, help to those begging. So Jesus would pass uh, Bartimaeus once on the way into the city he'd stay overnight with Zacchaeus and then he would leave through the same gate heading back 
uh, out to the, the city that way before going up to uh, Jerusalem. So in this case we can see how all three gospel records can be seen to be accurate because they're just telling the story from subtly different uh, points of view but they do all fit together when we look at the situation uh, in reality. However, there is still a, a little discrepancy that we need to, to sort out. That that Matthew says that there were two blind beggars, whereas Luke and Mark uh, only talk about one. Uh, only Mark, of course, naming him as uh, Bartimaeus. Well, as we've just said, this was a, a good place for beggars to wait uh, for alms from people passing by. Perhaps uh, particularly, uh, as we've mentioned, for the Jerusalem traffic. So it, it's very likely that Bartimaeus wasn't uh, on his own. He, I, I suspect there was a, a small group uh, of beggars there. Uh, it's very reasonable that Bartimaeus had uh, some companion or companions, but at least one. Uh, we don't know why the other isn't named nor fails to appear at all in Matthew but um, sorry fails to appear at all apart from in Matthew's gospel record but Matthew does this doubling up in, uh, in other places as well for instance in Matthew chapter 8 um, verse 28 when Jesus was come to the other side of the Sea of Galilee into the country of the Gergesenes there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs exceeding fierce so that no man might pass by that way. And in the following chapter, when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. So it may well be that there are other occasions where incidents occurred where there was more than one person, but other gospel records have focused in on, on one particular uh, person from the group. While the miracle focuses on Bartimaeus, there's no reason why a second person might not be involved. Uh, and perhaps Matthew does uh, mention that to emphasise the message of the miracle. Um, the way that one responded uh, over the other. So, who was Bartimaeus? Well, let's uh, move on to the, the next uh, screen. Um, we've already started to, to answer some of these questions but it, it sets the scene for us um, we only have this miracle to go on it's the only time he's mentioned by name we know he was in Jericho the city of palm trees palm trees associated with the, uh, the nation, um, Gentile nations and his name Bar Timaeus also seems to have a bit of a Gentile flavour about it. Um, Bar is the, uh, the Aramaic um, equivalent of the Hebrew word Ben, meaning son of. Um, so it implies son of Timaeus. Uh, well, who else do we know with a, a name like Timaeus? There's uh, Timothy, uh, who had a Greek father and a Jewish mother. The, the point is that we're getting a name which doesn't sound as though it was entirely Jewish 
It could be, we don't know for sure, but it could be that he was, um, had some Gentile ancestry. We don't know how much of the, of the gospel he'd already heard as well, either directly or indirectly. But it's possible that on the way into Jericho to visit Zacchaeus, that Jesus might have paused at the gate where uh, uh, Bartimaeus was waiting, um, where there'd be a bit more space, and was able there to talk to the crowds of people. We know that there was a great multitude with Jesus, so the, the narrow uh, space in the city streets would have been a little bit harder to uh, talk to the people there. So if that was the case, then Bartimaeus... Uh, might have been part of the extended audience that Jesus was talking to. It might even be that Bartimaeus was uh, on his own when Jesus entered into Jericho and spoke with the, the second blind man that Matthew mentions before Jesus leaves the city uh, and persuades him uh, also to wait uh, for this great teacher to pass by the gate. Well, in any case what is truly striking is this interaction that we have between Bartimaeus, Jesus and the crowd of people. Um, firstly, it's, it's how he addresses Jesus. He says, Jesus, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. One of the, uh, the things that have been repeatedly brought up by those who opposed Jesus and his teaching was his questionable lineage. If, if he was the, the, the Messiah, he should be the son of David. Um, and they, they questioned who his father was. In, in very unpleasant terms, they even said things like, we be um, not born of fornication uh, in John 8 uh, verse 41. They, they refused to see that Jesus was not only son of David and had claimed to be the royal heir, but also, of course, they wanted to slur uh, his, his character as well. For Bartimaeus, he first needs confirmation that it's Jesus coming past. Uh, and the crowd say, it's, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Well, Nazareth was uh, a place that wasn't particularly good reputation um, up in, in the north of uh, uh, the land and it's interesting then isn't it that by contrast to the people Bartimaeus he's already being able to see he can see what they can't he can see that there's something very special about Jesus that he is the son of David the rightful heir and in proclaiming that, he's setting the stage for what happens after, uh, afterwards uh, with Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And the people then putting palm leaves on the ground. And they shout, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. But here, Bartimaeus says, Jesus, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. That testimony that Bartimaeus gives as to who Jesus is um, doesn't seem to be what the crowd wants to hear they, they tell him to shut up uh, but instead he simply shouts more and louder uh, 
if we were to um, uh, look in, in Mark's account of the incident, it seems that uh, Jesus had gone past where Bartimaeus was sitting. He sort of overshot rather than stopping where Bartimaeus was. Uh, and maybe that was part uh, test of faith for him. Was it to see whether he would continue calling out to Jesus uh, even when it seemed that he'd gone past him? Well, of course, we know he, he didn't stop calling out until Jesus stops and sends someone back to call Bartimaeus to come to him. And, and there's a, a, a lovely point here that we can um, draw from in the story because as well as showing his faith by continuing to call out to, the, to Jesus what Bartimaeus now does is really quite extraordinary he throws his cloak to one side um, I think at this time of the year first thing in the morning particularly it could be still very uh, very cool um, and so if you were uh, unable to see the last thing you'd do is, is throw your cloak away because how would you find it again and yet he does uh, he throws it away as unimportant and something that will impede him from getting to where Jesus is um, but not only would it be something that would slow him down it rather suggests that he thinks that if he does need to find it again he might be able to, to see where it was he believed that Jesus would enable that to happen what wilt thou that I should do unto thee asks Jesus well that seems a, perhaps a, a strange thing to ask it's, it's fairly obvious isn't it this is a blind man but he asks anyway because um, of the, the parallel, parallel spiritual lessons that are being shown. Just as the, the blind man uh, must ask to be able to see, so we have to ask for our salvation. It's not something which is just given to us uh, without our asking, without our participation with, uh, or, or anything. Uh, we have to, to seek it. And Jesus had compassion, uh, as it says in the record that Matthew uh, has in his gospel. Whereas Mark and Luke record that Jesus says, your faith has made you whole. But of course, as so often uh, is the case with something that doesn't look to be the same at first glance, this is the record showing us two sides of the same coin. The compassion that Jesus has, um, uh, that, that he shows, would, would achieve nothing if it weren't for the faith of the followers. There's no point of faith without Christ's compassion towards us. And another thing that strikes me about what happens here is that, um, well, I mean, it's obvious to say it's a miracle, but really this is a miracle he regains his sight immediately um, well it does sometimes happen that somebody perhaps has had a, an eye injury and they've not been able to see for some time and then eventually things start to reconnect and sight in some ways uh, partly 
restored. Maybe it improves further over time. But here, Bartimaeus goes from being blind for his whole life, suddenly he can see perfectly. He is made whole. To be able to see, we need more than just our eyes. Uh, the, the eye is amazing. Um, it, it does a, a, an incredible job. Um, we, we need all of the bits of it to work together. We need, uh, a, as well as that, our brains to be able to take the signals that come from the, the, the nerves that come from the eye and do something very, very clever with those uh, signals. Um, maybe some of you have a, a computer at home with, a, with a, um, a scanner attached to it, which means that you can feed in documents and the computer can then use special software to take uh, the documents, like save my notes, and read the text off it and turn that from a picture of the text back into actually understanding what the letters and the words are. Uh, and maybe it'll even tell you where there's a spelling mistake, so probably better not look at my notes because they're full of them. Um, but that's really clever and powerful. But it's only doing it with something relatively simple. When you think about it, our eyes are doing that with everything we see all the time, understanding the pictures that our eyes are capturing. The brain plays an enormous part in making that work. Um, when we first open our eyes as babies, our brains are being fed streams of images, and at first they, they don't mean very much, they can be uh, fuzzy and, and meaningless, but over time the brain develops to work out what it's looking at. Um, for a start, the image that we see on the back of our eyes is, of course, completely inverted and back to front. But we don't see the world that way. It helps us that our brains turn the image the right way round for us. Um, but for Bartimaeus, none of that was in place. He'd never experienced it. His brain-eye system had never worked it, it was not just broken it just wasn't existing at all but in an instant Jesus says your faith has made you whole and it seems that he was able not only to, to see but to see perfectly and to understand what he was seeing for suddenly all of that to work Jesus really did make him whole uh, and so he was able to follow Jesus along the road without stumbling, without walking into things. That's absolutely amazing and wonderful. So it's not that surprising that he then ignores Jesus' command when he says, uh, go, go your way. Uh, don't, don't worry about following me now. Why would he do that when he could go the same way as the one who made it possible for him to see. And so he does go. He goes with Jesus and praises and glorifies God for what's been done for him. Uh, and his faithful witness causes uh, others to praise God too. What happened to him afterwards? 
Well, we don't know anything about him after this miracle. Uh, which is sad, because we'd like to know something, I think, about him. Um, but behind it, there are several themes and messages that we could look at. Um, writing to the church at Corinth, Paul talks about the, the eye. He, uh, he says uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 16... And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. The, the, the eye is a valuable part of the body, but it's useless on its own. It needs the rest, just as the other parts need it. Um, but its role being about guiding, giving the brain information, means that it has an influence beyond, uh, beyond its apparent size. So, so Jesus uses it too in his teaching, uh, no fewer than three times in the Sermon on the Mount, for instance, uh, recorded for us um, in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, let's just uh, a couple of those passages. Um, uh, Matthew and uh, chapter 6 Matthew 6 uh, verse 20 uh, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? And in the previous chapter, um, Matthew 5 verse 28, uh, Jesus says that, um, I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already with her in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, Pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee to, uh, that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body uh, shall be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should uh, perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And in verse uh, chapter 7 and verse 3. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote of thy brother's eye. 
The eye gives us information. It's, uh, it's our means to be aware of um, things around us, things which might come our way. And likewise, the Bible uses sight as a, as a symbol of knowing about the future, um, setting faith as a, a, a spiritual parallel uh, to sight. Um, so, for instance, we could look at in Second Corinthians chapter 5, where Paul talks about the, us walking by faith and not by sight. Um, or in First Corinthians 13, uh, verse 12, where it says, For now we see through a glass darkly, or we look in a, in a mirror. Um, we didn't have the, the kind of uh, very reflective mirrors that we have today in, in those days. It would have been a polished piece of, uh, of brass or something. We, we look in that and we see a sort of image, is what he's saying. We look in a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know uh, even as I am known, says Paul. And lastly, there are verses of great comfort to us that God watches over us. Um, in Psalms, uh, we'll go to uh, a couple of passages in Psalms actually, so let's, let's go and look at that. Psalm 34. eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their cry the face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth the righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles and, and this is cited by the apostle Peter in his, his first letter where he says uh, in chapter 3 verse 12 for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers uh, so that the same theme there let's go over to Psalm 146 now um, a psalm which uh, tells us that as well as watching over us um, God uh, blesses those that are looking towards him Psalm 146 verse 8 The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down The Lord loveth the righteous The Lord preserveth the strangers He relieveth the fatherless and the widow But the way of the wicked he turneth upside down The Lord shall reign for ever Even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations Praise ye the Lord. And finally, uh, we'll go to a, a verse in 1 Corinthians which shows, um, I think, the, the importance of having the right vision in our lives today. Um, we've talked about an individual, Bartimaeus, um, but it's open to all of us what God has promised he will bring about in the world the return of his son and the establishment of God's kingdom here on the earth and a wonderful future 
a wonderful hope for those who put their trust in him in this life now. And here we have in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9 uh, that promise described. As it is written, Eye hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Isn't that amazing? For all of the incredible things we've been thinking about, about the, the power of vision, the amazing, wonderful things that we can see in the world around us. For all of that, it's not enough to be able to picture the wonderful future that God has promised, as he says, for those that love him. And so our, our prayer is that we all together have that vision. Seeing is believing. We need to see from God's word the great promise that he has made. And by God's grace and mercy, we can be part of it. Thank you very much for, for listening. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe, and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk. Thank you.